And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to 100 Watts and Wire. We are going to be talking about portable antenna options. And if you're new, please put new in the chat. I'd like to meet you. And if we haven't met, my name is Christian. My call sign is Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel. And uh, June 11th through the 13th, that's coming up this weekend, we will have the 100 watts in a wire tune-up. So uh, you will be able to uh, uh, get on the air, and I'll be live streaming. Lots of things are happening. I want to take a moment to thank uh, the folks um, who have actually supported in this oversaturated ham radio medium that we're, we're existing in right now. Uh, a few bold people have decided to uh, support and propagate the 100 watts of the wire tune-up. And I want to uh, say hello and thank you to them. Amateur Radio Newsline, who has been on board and supportive of the show and our operating events since the beginning. Thank you very much. Neil Rapp, uh, WB9VPG with Ham Talk Live. Also uh, mentioned the tune-up and always does. And KB9VBR, I visited with Michael this week. And uh, he uh, had me on the show. We talked about it. And I appreciate that uh, very, very much. Going to uh, mix things up just uh, slightly uh, this week, where we're going to start off with our Hour 73 uh, segment. And, you know, Hour 73 is a preparedness segment, uh, regularly featured here on 100 Watts in a Wire. Uh, We share ideas and practical solutions to help everyday people become more self-reliant here in the 21st century. So we're going to bring in my friend Don, uh, and we will uh, talk a little bit about what's happening in the world and give you some things to think about as we head forward. Let me make sure I got you off of uh, off the boot. Yeah, you are. And uh, welcome to the show, Don. What's going on with you this week? Hey, good morning. How you doing? It's uh, a kid's sports weekend for me. Yeah, so you are uh, going to watch your tall daughter we can compare notes because my daughter's getting really tall too and they're measuring the, f- the feet and they're like she's in a women's shoe i'm like oh no you know and i'm doing more push-ups all the time i'm practicing the trip <laughs> of the little boy as he runs after my daughter oh slow down buddy yep so you know that, yeah, that she's that uh feeling. she's in uh, i think women's sixes and uh five foot three at age 10 it's ridiculous yeah that's ridiculous so uh, this week we wanted to talk a little bit about gear. We opened up the discussion, and there's so much to talk about in terms of you know preparedness type uh, types of gear. We've got the tune-up coming up. We're going to be out in portable. Some people will be working tune-up and field day from maybe remote locations. This week, let's dive back into the bag. What do you want to talk about this week in terms of preps and gear? Yeah, so when you were talking about uh, discussing portable antennas, especially a week before the tune-up and then heading into field day this month, I was thinking about gear in uh, the situation. So situational uh, gear usage, uh, purchasing, preparedness, whatever. So uh, this is me, my example, right? So I look at it four ways. I've got my everyday gear, the everyday carry. I've got the getting home gear. I've got the getting away from home gear. And then the I'm staying at home gear. And that's me. It, it might differ where you are. I think we talked a little bit about uh, everyday carry last week in terms of having a good knife. Uh, I carry a flashlight, uh, still legally authorized to carry a gun. There's that, some magazines. Uh, but basically making sure I have what I need every day. Uh, 
But when you're looking at, especially going portable, whether it's for the Fallout or the Tune-Up, excuse me, or uh, Field Day, you know, th- I think that's an opportunity to look at the gear that you have that you can take out for a little bit. So whether it's a day or two days, if you're camping out for field day, you know, what do you need to get out of the house and uh, make it somewhere for a little bit? And I'm going to argue that if you have to pack it all into a U-Haul, it's not portable. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not portable. Yeah, and I think uh, even even mobile situations could could be portable too. I, I think I accept that all in, in there as well. With field day sure. and the tune-up, I don't know how many people do overnights during the tune-up, but <clears throat> certainly during the field day, People do overnight shifts, you know, and maybe get out of their habits a little bit. You know, they're doing these things where they're staying up later. I don't know. you got to think about maybe your medicine, where you're going to be. I'm one of these guys that pack. If I'm traveling, I uh, and I don't know if this is weird or if it's good. I don't know what it is. It's just something I do. But if I'm out on the road, I'm thinking about where the local hospitals are, you know, in case there's an emergency. Who am I going to call? These sorts of things. And when you're out there in the field... Most people go to sleep, and you're working the overnight. There's there's some considerations uh, with that too. Have you ever pulled an all nighter out there in the field, and and what did you take? Yeah, that's a great question, or a great uh, even a, a great background to it. Uh, we get so used to going from A to B that sometimes we ignore what's around us. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, we talked about this, I think, in one of the initial podcasts in terms of knowing what the threats and hazards are around your house when you're preparing at home, uh, not to mention knowing where some of your resources are. So uh, we are blessed here in Carroll County, Maryland. The Carroll uh, Carol County Amateur Radio Club has usage of one of the county's parks. So they let us use it for field day. They don't charge the club. Uh, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage because where we set up in the pavilions in a bit of a valley, but our argument as a club is, is if we can operate in an area that's less than ideal, that'll help us build proficiency for when we really need to do it in some less than ideal locations during a disaster or an emergency. Uh, but when, so when I'm out there, uh, I like to camp out out there. So I'll bring a tent. I'll, I'll bring a sleeping pad. It's June, but I'll still bring a blanket. And uh, then I'm looking at what I need for the night. So there's a spot of pot on site, so I don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. But I bring water. Uh, as a club, we have some food, but I definitely need light, uh, bug repellent, those type of things that keep you comfortable when you're not in your normal routine at home. And again, this is going to vary depending where you are. I'm in the mid-Atlantic, so uh, it'll be most likely it'll be pretty damn warm in June that weekend. But depending on where you are, you especially if you're camping out, uh, if you're at elevation, you might be bringing a nice thermal sleeping bag or something like that so you can make it through the uh, through a chilly night. So, again, it's knowing where you are, what's around you, what you need. It's, it's not necessarily complicated, but it takes a little work to dig up what exactly are you facing and how you respond to that with your gear choices. And you're going to be out in the field, so you're going to probably have a vehicle that you can maybe pack up. You know, who knows how far you'll have to walk. You may just go to a pavilion in a park, and that's kind of fine. And then you're thinking about, I think about, what am I going to need radio-wise? And I'm about to travel, and that becomes like, it. Kind it's kind of fun, but you're not going to go to Radio Shack. Uh, here. You're not going to get the Radio Shack when I get to <laughs> Manhattan, you know, and travel. So you, it's, it's this practice and sort of making lists and figuring what you need on the radio side, but we're talking about the human needs side too, which actually increases the volume of your pack. Do you practice uh, carrying X amount of weight? I know there are people who will get out there and put on a backpack and 
do 60 pounds. We may not be that audience completely, but do you suggest anything like that sort of uh, in prep wise? Yeah, so I, I guess I'm one of those guys. I have an old backpack that I put a 40 pound sandbag <laughs> in, stuffed it with towels. Uh, it's one heck of a workout, but yeah, it gets you used to. Uh, 40 pounds doesn't seem like a lot until you're humping it on your shoulder over terrain. So looking at what you need to get from point A to point B, and I'm glad you mentioned field day and the radio component to it because it, it is difficult to pack for yourself, to get what you want, to get set up for a little base camp out in the woods or if you're camping somewhere. But for all of this, which is pretty much the entire audience that are all operators as well, you throw in even a modest portable setup, and that's uh, that's quite a bear to get from point A to point B. I, I think it was the fallout, and I did it in my backyard when I caught you on the air. I went as modest as I could. I, I took my Icom 7000, threw a, a portable battery, and I used one of the, I believe it was like one of the chameleon tactical dipoles. <clears throat> Certainly not an ideal setup, but I was able to, to catch you and a couple other people during the fallout. But if you wanna be, uh, a, a significant or serious operator, especially some of those like parks on the air folks or the summits on the air that are really trying to extend their reach, uh, that becomes an exercise in knowing how to pack your gear and how to get it from A to B. Now let's just talk about, okay, you're gonna go out and do the tune-up. So we talked in previous weeks about like the top three and it's really hard. You're taking a drink right now. <clears throat> it's bourbon. I know it's Saturday morning, and that's the cool thing to do it's when you're from today. Baltimore. That's get your start yeah. off to the game. You got to watch a uh, child's basketball game. I totally understand. Just kidding. But uh, some of the essential needs when you're going outside right now in the bag with your backpack, you don't need to carry 40 pounds of gear out there, uh, but you, you're definitely going to take the top three. And just to recap those, Water came in, I think, number one on everybody's list. Just staying hydrated. You can do three or five. What what else do you want to take with you, Don? Now, this is in the case of field day or the tune-up, which is coming up. Yeah, so if I'm going out for that, I feel fairly comfortable that I'm going to be able to get home when I want to get home. So it's not like I'm going to be digging in for a couple days where I have no choice. Uh, and this is where you look at your own comfort, right? So obviously, water is first and foremost. Uh that can put you in a bad way quick. But I think second on my list is uh, those things that make you comfortable. <clears throat> so whether it's your choice in clothing, uh, whether it's your choice in sleeping or sheltering, I think those are the things that make the difference between having a fairly decent night's sleep out outside of your bed and out in the woods or in a field somewhere versus swatting 6,000 mosquitoes or being a little bit too chilly because you're at three, four, 5,000 foot elevations and you didn't account for the cool nights, uh, keeping weather off of you, whether that's the sun, the rain, uh, the wind. So I think beyond water and keeping myself comfortable, you know, obviously you're making some food choices. I'm going to punt that one for this discussion because, you know, in field day, what do we do? We order a thousand pizzas or mm -hmm. someone's man in the grill. So I'm pretty confident that I'm going to eat. Not that I've missed a meal. So, uh, but that aside, I would say then light, anything that gets me from point A to point B where I am uh, camped out. So do I need light? Uh, do I need some tools to operate? So the things that uh, prevent you from muttering cuss words because you didn't pack what you thought you needed. Uh, again, it's easier, I think, 
and it's great practice for something like a tune-up or the fallout uh, for field day where you have that safety net of being around people and you know you're going to eat and you're going to have a good time. Um, but I think that's also a good place where you can exercise what gear you can bring that you can comfortably carry, that you can set up somewhere and uh, and avoid the, the elements for a little bit. I, I think that's a great place to start. You know, once you can keep the elements off of you and you know you have water, you can start having those discussions about, OK, what do I do for food? There's short term food that you can pack in a bag. But what do I do <clears throat> for food long term? Uh, how do I manage clothing, uh, layers, stuff like that? Um, but you know, these are, these are great opportunities, I think for us, you know, we're out there to have fun. Uh, I am looking forward to, uh, to having one heck of a time with, with my club during field day. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting one the tune up for a little bit too here at home. But the reality is, is that I know I'm going to have fun when you're forced into that situation and there's no fun to be had. That's when it's a real test of basically up here and your ability to get through it. So the tune-up and the field day, which is coming, I mean, back-to-back here, and it was intended to do that, to get you tuned up for your great time at a field day. You want to have a good time. You want to be comfortable. You want to enjoy what you're doing because you're out and away from your home. So it's a little bit different. Now, we are all of, I, I can't say we all, but we all are getting to an age. We're all getting older. That's a fair thing to say. Uh, is it too much or is it wise because I'm becoming of that age where I'm starting to think of these things like uh, on your phone, you know, putting on uh, your information to contact people if you I go down or my medications. Is that too much? Is that get into cyber strange land, putting things out there or just to contact my wife if I fall out here or I've eaten too much or you've got to take me and. <laughs> hydrate me. You know what I mean? We'll just roll you down the hill if you've eaten too much. Yeah, no, just I think don't that's discard my body. Like, <laughs> Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring you back up before the animals <clears throat> get to you. Uh, no, I think that's a great point. So obviously we're amongst friends. We're amongst club members when we're looking at field day. Uh, <clears throat> I would imagine a vast majority of us when we do uh, the tune-up, we, we might do it from home. We might do it in the backyard. Uh, but I'm sure some people might go out to do it. Uh, so at a minimum, like example for field day, my wife knows where I'm going to be. So she knows that when I leave the house, I'm going to be at Bear Branch Nature Center in, in Westminster, Maryland, uh, down at the pavilion set up for, for field day. Uh, so when I don't come home when she's expecting me to, now, I guess that's a, a true test of how much she loves me. Does she wait a day? Does she wait a week? <laughs> uh, but, you know, certainly letting folks know where you're going to be, any sort of medical issues that you have that aren't obvious, uh, any sort of medications that you might need, emergency contacts, always a good idea. So whether it's in the phone uh, or if you're taking a hike and you're parked in a parking lot, uh, a thing a, a lot of people will do is they'll leave it in a, a Ziploc bag. So they'll, they'll leave, like, this is who I am. These are my emergency contacts. This is the route I think I'm taking as I hike through these woods. And then that way, uh, you know a starting point. So if I know you're on a hike somewhere in a national park and, and you've told me that you're parking here and going into the woods and you don't check in and we decide that you're going to check in at, at a certain interval and you don't, then for a search and rescue team, I've got a starting point. And I've got your information there in a bag in the car. Like worst case, they're going through the window to get it. Big deal. Uh, 
but it at least gets me uh, or gets them to where you started and what you proposed your route to be so you can get help to someone that needs it in a quick manner. I know we don't always think of these things and we think that, oh, we're still young and strong and nothing's going to happen. But, you know, it is kind of wise to think about this. And it's only preparedness. We're not telling you to go off the... It's things to think about, maybe some tricks. Pastor Joe says he uh, wears an ID bracelet. He does a lot of uh, cycling. So he's out there and it's a very basic way for him to uh, share information should he fall or go down somehow. And, you know, these emergencies just happen. It's just... You didn't sure. expect it. And the next thing you know, you've had a heart attack. You're like, I had a heart attack. You know, so planning on that situation. So we're talking about these operating events for comfort, uh, you know, with your medical stuff, letting people know where you are. Don't go rogue and be uh, silly. Let people take care of you if you need to. But most of all, in this case, have fun. Are you one of the guys that pack extra because the schmo over here didn't bring anything and you know he's he doesn't have his tools he doesn't have any wire he forgot his phone you know uh, do we pack for that guy or we kill him and eat him <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's a great point uh because they exist you know and they're always taken yeah, they're always taken yeah i guess so a little bit different perhaps in a field day situation than it is when you're ensuring your family's survival sure so I would say going out the field day, obviously there's the camaraderie of my club. We're out there to have fun. If one of the guys forgot something and he needs something that I have, of course I'm going to give it to him. Uh, and and I'm glad Pastor Joe brought up that road bracelet uh, comment because that's a great idea. And honestly, I, I, we didn't even talk about it. But one thing I'm throwing in is also is a, a basic first aid kit. Maybe some extra ibuprofen. And you said it. It's not like we I'm gonna I'm not gonna tell my wife uh, in the morning of field. Yeah, exactly. I brought it to the show just in case. Just in case. <laughs> if, in case I fall out of my chair. If you swing at me, oh, yeah. I can bandage so, myself uh, up. Yeah, like I, I I don't tell my wife the morning of field day, like, hey, I'm you know, packing up my gear. I'm gonna go up to uh Bear Branch get set up and then break my leg in the woods. Like right. I don't certainly plan on that. And you mentioned it. Like we don't, these things are unforeseen for a reason. So uh, at least having a sense of who to contact allergies, if you have them, special medications, I think it's a good idea. All right. So there you have it. There's some things to think about. I, I want to get into uh, more on the gear. This last uh, segment we called, it was just gear number one, because uh, this one will be number two. It gets so sophisticated from your knife to your everyday carry to what sort of flashlight do you like to use and how long do you need to have that extra light source do you want a headlamp do you want so there's so many things that we can talk about that you want to put in your bags and take along with you there's a, a wide range of topics that we will discuss uh, with don as we go you better go get to that basketball game i hope she dropped uh 12 let's say 12 points can she put 12 down today because i'm going to call the bookie <laughs> We know she the can. I'll, uh, I will update you and let you know. <laughs> I don't know what the uh, the opening odds are. But, yeah, yeah, I say when we come back, especially as we go through these events, and I'm always curious to hear some of the things that the folks out there are doing, I think we'll have ample time to talk about not only every day, but going out portable or going out for a while or what you need to get home. So I, I think we have uh, plenty of uh, plenty of points to discuss as we move forward yeah this segment will be posted uh coming up and so you put your comments down what are you taking what are your must-haves with you and let's continue the conversation as we go and then we'll come back next week 
and have a whole new uh, slate of information. My thanks to Don. Good luck at, at the game today. Have a great weekend, and we'll uh, catch you again real soon. Yep, sounds good. 73, my friend. 73, brother. Okay. CQ, CQ, CQ. This is 100 watts and a wire. Brothers and sisters, I believe I have found a new way, a new way for you to support the content you enjoy and the community that you find value in. It's called buymeacoffee.com. It is not a commercial. It's a new way. And I've moved away from Patreon, which is going to hurt me for a little bit. But in the long run, I believe that content creators should have creative freedom. There shouldn't be any censorship coming down from a platform in the way that you create. But moreover, on your side, do you really need to have a sign-up? Do you really need to have an account? And do they really need to take between 5 and 12% of your donations? No, I'm out. But I've moved over to buymeacoffee.com. It's as easy as that. No sign-ups, no accounts. Give if you want. If you don't want to, give as much as you want. Become a sustaining member. It's all there, but it's new. So I'm here to tell you about that. Buymeacoffee.com slash K0STH is where you find us. And it's an easier way, a cleaner way, it seems, to support the content you enjoy. Now let's get you back up to the show. CQ, CQ, CQ. This is 100 watts and a wire. Again, my friends from Amateur Radio Newsline, we get together and we discuss two topics, two stories uh, from this week's news. And so we'll uh, do that now. I welcome uh, to the show Karen Eve Murray and Paul Brown. Karen is the editor of Amateur Radio Newsline. And Paul, with a fresh haircut, I can tell you got a haircut. Uh, don't ask me why. It's because I don't have any. But I notice you either combed it or you cut it. What did you do, Paul? Um, actually, I got it cut it like two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, okay. I just started looking at him, Karen. I just noticed he was here I'm just, on the show, I'm and it looked cut. It took you that. Yeah, I'm disappointed. <laughs> it took you that long to notice. Christian, you didn't notice I cut my hair. I'm Did you cut your hair? See, it's right at the bottom of your I, frame there. Well, my hair is it's down to my waist, so you it's it's out of view. But you should have asked, Karen. Have you cut your hair? <laughs> yeah, I should have even started with you on that that front yeah, so yeah Karen, ask, me did you... ask me next week I'll... okay all right we'll do that this did week. did i no i'll cut it this week guys welcome to the show I'll cut uh, it this week <laughs> we know the format there's usually a story that you probably should have known or heard about this week it would have certainly led off in amateur radio newslines uh report for this week and then one that maybe didn't make the cut that's hard job for you sometimes is determining what will make it and what has to be cut and I know you try to get as much in there as you can. Uh, so we'll have two stories today, and we'll start off with Karen. What did you find this week that needed to lead the top of the newscast? Okay, Christian, we have an interesting combination here of uh, public service and special event all rolled into one, happening 50 miles north of New York City. It's called Bannerman Island. Bannerman Island is not an island on the air. This is no, no iota points for this, but you, you get the good person points for being a part of this activation. N2B 
is the call sign. November 2 Bravo will be used by hams activating this island, and they will be joined uh, by a bunch of other hams up and down New York's Hudson River. Uh, what they're doing uh, between 1 and 5 o'clock local time here, uh, these are hams in the Hudson Valley Digital Network, and they're going to be calling CQ worldwide uh, to say hi and to say, look at this beautiful island. This is a park. It's part of Hudson Highlands State Park. And boy, is it in need of cleanup, repair, uh, and all kinds of things to make it a little safer and a little more pleasant for visitors. You know, we're going back to parks now. It's spring in this part of the world. Uh, Hams are wanting you to talk about going portable. These guys are going to be operating portable. N2B will be on the island. And what they're going to be talking about is how hams can help by donating what they can to the trust that oversees the island uh, for New York State. Because, uh, again, this is part of the New York State park system. There's a gorgeous castle there. There's some incredible history. Uh, castle was built by uh, Frank Bannerman. Um, and Frank Bannerman was a munitions dealer at the turn of the previous century. He kept a lot of military surplus there. Uh, but obviously now this is just a, a treasure for people to come to. And guess what? You want to go there, you got to get there by boat. Paddle boat, uh, canoe, kayak, however. Uh, they welcome people. But again, it, it needs a bit more of a welcome mat. It needs to be a safer, more hospitable place. So... A week from today, between 1 and 5, local time here in New York, these guys will be calling CQ and N2B will be on the island. And if you go to QRZ.com, you'll see the other call signs that are part of this event. Well, it looks like a beautiful place to have a backdrop. And I don't know how yeah. large that, that is there, but man, you could you could probably put up some really good antennas there and have have yourself a blast, I would think. It's 6.5 acres. It's not huge. It's, it's a nice little private island. The, the family lived there for a while, too. In fact, they lived on top of a, quite a storehouse of munitions. <laughs> Must have been very interesting. It's like, don't, don't jump up and down. You know, don't, don't run back and forth. Tell the kids to just be quiet. Don't, don't wake the sleeping munitions downstairs. Is it a landmark, uh, like a not, national landmark now? Has it been uh, preserved? No. It's, it's part of the uh, state park system. The, the state, uh, of course, values it as part of the greater area, which is called Hudson Highlands State Park. They do charge for tours, and you have to book them in advance. And uh, they tell people, if you're going to visit the island, Plan ahead, uh, book your appointment, and then kind of back time it so that your boat trip over <laughs> will get you there on time. Uh, because boats are not, uh, especially kayaks, are not the swiftest way uh, mm. to get there. But it's the only way to get to the island. It's nice. It's very, uh, it's remote, and yet it's accessible. What do you think, Paul? You uh, Would this be a place you would go to operate? It sounds like fun. Uh it, it really well it, it's it's kind of like a little mini de expedition to one of those really remote islands um that you have to get on the boat and you set up and there's just birds there um it 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 sounds interesting and i think it's a cool thing that they're doing to help raise money to support it because it you know it's another facet of you know a good publicity 
for amateur radio. And it just sounds like fun. Even if you don't get IOTA points, it it's still fun. And I like that. And that sounds like a place where you really got to pack the right bag, the yeah. right gear. And you're you're definitely not on a <coughs> kayak uh, carrying everything you need uh, out to that Because you can't just run down, you can't just run back down to Target and get something right. that you forgot. Right. You can't get over to Radio Shack. Not a sponsor, <laughs> of course, but you just can't uh, paddle on over there. Yep. Uh, Paul, uh, are you going to go, Karen? Would you do? Would you do something like that? I would do it. Uh, obviously, not going this year. But I have friends who've kayaked over there. Uh, they're not hams, but I sure would love to get there. Uh, and I have at least one friend who uh, takes photographs of unusual sites around the country, and particularly New York. And he has said, "Hey, let's go sometime." So that is in my future. I, it's not that far from the QTH. It's maybe an hour and 10 minutes. Hmm. And I am di- I'm dying to get there. Let's take another look at it real quick before we go. There it is. Uh, it looks beautiful. Yeah. Looks beautiful. It looks right, like a lot of fun. Right I would north. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Line. Right north of New York City. It's Yeah, fish. Or, you know, they, they protect the... I mean, you can't bring your dog, obviously. But it's you can stay there and uh, walk around and... Uh, look at the various plants and yep, birds, whatever. It's that doesn't look like it's right near New York City, does it? No, eat a sandwich. That's what I would do. I would uh, go yep. there and eat a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of sandwiches, mm-hmm. Paul, you've got story number two. We tease Paul because he brings breakfast for himself, and we tease him because he's here and, and eats that here in front of us, and it looks delicious. And it makes me feel like all I brought was this stupid coffee. Is that a bagel, Paul? Well, I, I Is have that to bring my. I have we... to bring my own food. There's never anything in the green room. Ooh. I said I was sorry. I said I was sorry about okay. that. I'm trying really hard. How about I buy you a coffee? That's what we would do. There, there we go. That's what we do. Uh, story number two. Uh, anything uh, interesting that uh, caught your fancy this week, Paul? Well, as a matter of fact, yes. Over in Europe. Um, we all deal with RFI here. Um, a lot of it is uh, just generated by all the the stuff around us as we become more enmeshed in electronics in our everyday life. Uh, some of it, the manufacturers just don't care. And even though it's all supposed to be certified and it's all supposed to be tested, a lot of it, as we know, slips through um, and gets, gets shipped over here. I have a personal experience a number of years ago neighbor across the street and down a couple houses every halloween the month before halloween would put up this giant like 13 foot high inflatable lawn balloon um jack skellington character from nightmare before christmas and it had led lights in it and one night i noticed that i had broadband noise all the way from 160 up to 10 it was a repeating pattern and i thought something in my house maybe my network switch or something i kept trying to find it finally gave up i took a quick video with my phone of the radio with the noise so i could post it maybe on 100 watts facebook group to see if somebody can recognize what this is and then i had to go out um to get some some supplies so i got in the car and i looked in the mirror of the car and i saw this giant inflatable balloon and i saw the light flashing in a pattern that all of a sudden looked really familiar and i fired up the video on the phone and i matched it and it was the electronics inside that balloon that was using the 13 feet of wiring to the LEDs as an antenna and broadcasting 
broadband noise to the entire neighborhood. And I talked to the guy who owned it, and he didn't care. And there's, you know, really not a lot I can do. But things like that are are bad for us and for anybody who's just trying to listen to the radio. But over in Germany, there is a company that's selling solar panels and <clears throat> the controllers for the solar panels um, called Solar Edge. And they claim they filed all the the paperwork that meets with the EU's directives and all that. But as it turns out, not necessarily. So the German Regulatory Commission, it's BNETSA is the abbreviation for a big German word that I can't really say. Uh, they have given them, they've investigated, and they have shown that there are several um, optimizers that this company sells that do not meet restrictions and do not meet specs. And they have given them a, uh, a, a deadline saying if you can't actually because clearly the paperwork you filed is is false uh if you cannot meet the actual spec within four weeks from uh this, this past week you've got four weeks to uh, at least tell us what you are going to do to clean this up we're not going to let you sell in germany hmm. so that's the kind of thing that we don't get over here where they really don't have uh you know they they really haven't done much the fcc to uh to guarantee that the electronics being sold over here don't wipe out radio but the german manu uh you know regulatory people are saying hey get this fixed or you can't sell over here this and i a, think that's interesting that they're yeah it's a tough one because I believe in solar. You know what I mean? I believe in harnessing that that energy, and it seems so complicated, and it does give us all this kind of hash and this sort of thing. Karen, what do you what do you think about those things? And and I support solar, and I, I'm sure you guys do. And you know, I try to use it when we're portable and everything else. If I could have a whole house full of it, but I hesitate because of stories like this. What do you think, Karen? Well, I think solar is terrific, and I've toyed with the idea myself of uh, adding solar to the roof. Now that now that we have a new roof, we can do that. I had held off because I knew we'd have to replace the roof at some point. But I don't think you should go solar at the expense of anything, and I don't think it should cost you, um, you know, your ham radio operation or, or any other kind of interference. I think governments do have to be responsible. Uh, I want to thank uh, one of our staffers who's in Germany, Ed DD5LP, who flagged this for us because this, I think, is a, yeah, it's a point of pride. You have a government looking out for you. You, you know, we always say, well, we don't, we don't here in the States always get the kind of advocacy that we feel we should have, you know, whether it's interference of a humankind or interference because it's RFI. So I, I do applaud this. Uh, I should add that I went to the website of the company because when we were preparing the report, I wanted to see what the company had to say, if anything about it, whether they were preparing their response or, or preparing to do something else um, to notify the German regulator, nothing. There's absolutely nothing on the website. So either they're keeping quiet about it or they're trying a different tactic uh, or maybe they just don't know at this point what to do. But it remains to be seen. I would like to see personally a lot more of this in 
certainly the U.S. and other countries. Solar's great, but not if it gets in the way of other things. Yeah, and I don't think the problem is inherently the solar panels themselves. It's the control mm -hmm. electronics, and the companies aren't mm -hmm. necessarily even caring that, you know, right. I mean, if they can make it a little bit cheaper and, and sell more, they don't necessarily care that they're wiping out radio because to them, that's not their thing. Um, if, uh, you know, now the German uh, group, Binetza, has done studies that show so far about 75% of the solar installations that they've gotten looked at and 25% of LED lights that they've looked at don't meet standards. So, I mean, and I know for a fact, I've, I've heard from friends that I have that you replace um, incandescent or fluorescent bulbs uh, with LEDs and even some fluorescent, the little compact fluorescent, some of those are noisy. And some of the less expensive LED bulbs are very noisy as well. Because, I mean, sometimes you can just unscrew the bulb and all of a sudden 20 meters quiets down. So yeah. it's, it's a thing. And it's not just us hams. It's the more RFI hash that gets out there, everything that's involved in using radio signals, Wi-Fi, cell phones, everything gets more interference. Well, thank you for that. And I want to encourage anybody who is watching or listening to uh, go to the 100 Watts and Wire YouTube channel, put your comments below the video so we can continue the conversation about either of these stories, that beautiful place in New York or this thing going on with solar. I'm, I'm conflicted, you know. But if you told me that it was going to interfere with my radio stuff, ooh, it gets tricky yeah. for me. It gets tricky for me. <clears throat> it is. And I, I've been an advocate of alternate energy as long as I can remember. It's just that some of this stuff really needs to be thought out so we can all live happily together. Yeah, well put. Uh, thank you both uh, for stopping by today, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Just a side note, and uh, Karen can back me up, Paul, your neighbor with the inflatable Halloween thing. Just to let you know, we have friends in New York and Philly can help you solve that problem if, <laughs> if that's a... Yes. If that, I appreciate that. Fortunately, he moved we a got, year ago. Mm, okay, we, we got right. because we have or, a number on, numbers on quick dial. I, I, I don't necessarily know that he actually moved, but oh, he he's moved. no longer there. You haven't I mean, seen him. You haven't seen him. I haven't him, seen him, yes. Right. So, That's a shame. Oh, he, put okay. that, he put that thing up now. at the beginning of October and actually let it run through November, almost through Thanksgiving. So for mm. two months, mm -hmm. I had no HF after sundown. Yeah, we reminded him. I mean, he was probably reminded of that when he disappeared. Well, theoretically, if that's maybe what could have happened, I I would appreciate that. But I'm just saying. All I'm saying is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it saying. went away. Yeah, I'm glad. You it know, went. it's these things just sometimes happen. People yeah. just move on. Yeah, it'd be yeah, a shame if that on. balloon something would happen to it. And I don't think they sell those balloons either, but that's a whole different layer to this problem. I'm not sure that they even sell them anymore <clears throat> on the East Coast. On the East Coast. I saw one in the Menards over here, so they do oh, oh, did you? here. Menards. Okay. Good to know. All right. Thank you both. Have a great weekend, and I appreciate you. you we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Yep. 73 See friends. See you next week. Bye. Right. Seven, three. Brothers and sisters, let's talk about the 100-watt ID. Very easy to get. None of this costs you a thing. But it is fun to have your own, and here's how you get it. Visit 100wattsandawire.com. Click the Gathering tab. Here you give us your name, your call sign, and your email address. Very simply put, 
an app will sequentially issue your ID and a very busy human will send you that ID through the email. Then you can use it during our nets and operating events, share it with your friends, do whatever you like, but that is how you get it. Visit 100wattsandawire.com and click the gathering page. Now let's get back to the show. All right, brothers and sisters, welcome back to the show. My name is Christian. I uh, appreciate you being here. We did the Hour 73 segment. We've got two stories. Now it's time to bring in Sidecar Steve. But a quick reminder, if uh, you're looking for a way to support the content you enjoy, a new way to do it, it's as easy as buying me a coffee. Do what you like. No signups, no accounts needed. Very simple and clean. So we appreciate that and your support. Here he is. Sidecar Steve joins us now. People get antsy and they're like, what did you do to Sidecar Steve? Do you know this man's a legend? Look at the grip in the right hand. If you look at the hand, the fingers, the fingers there are all sort of offset. And that's a reason for that. It's not the shape of the metal that he's squeezing so hard. It's that that was the grip of death. And when we got off those uh, motorbikes, there was a huge dent in the metal. So anyway, we welcome Sidecar <laughs> Steve. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing fine. We got a little delay on your uh, your kung fu movie yeah, right now. Yeah, I know. It just all of a sudden kung fu. Yeah, we got a kung if fu you can movie happening here. the pebble here. from my hand. It's time for you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should. Uh, why don't you reconnect? <laughs> you can uh, reconnect with me, and I'm gonna. I can set up the next segment oh. where we talk about some portable antennas. All right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll do that. All right. So Steve will call back here. We'll come back, get Steve back in the seat. Uh, what I did earlier in the week was uh, to start talking about uh, some portable antenna options. And uh, we can look at that now. I'm going to start that off. And uh, let's get uh, Steve-O uh, back into the, the situation here. Let's see uh, Let's see how you are, Grasshopper. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, grasshopper. Yeah, that's better. That's better. That's a little better. Oh, that was kind of weird. It was going pretty good until Let's see. you brought me in. Yep, perfect. You're good. You're good. So I put the uh, call out there on our 100 Watts in a Wire Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And if you're in there, it's a very friendly uh, group. But I wanted to see some portable antenna options that work for other people. I made an antenna, Steve. Let me tell you about it because I don't even know exactly what it is. But I can tell you it works. I, and I told you as I was going what I was doing, mm-hmm. and, and we'll cut back over to the people for sure. I took and made, it's a wire antenna with three pieces soldered together at the center, right? One end was 40 feet, the other 26 feet. So we got 66 feet of total length in the air, and then 35 feet at the drop down. And it drops down, all wire, drops down to what I believe is a 49 to 1 balance connects to coax yep. to the radio and it sings man it, it does great on 20 it does great on 40 and i mean like not even like 2.6 you know within the 3.0 of my uh, 7300 that'll you know tune it it's like one point whatever across both bands and i was like ah i think i finally and it's tuned for 25 feet now if i went up there a little higher I don't know what will happen if my SWR get better or worse. It, it, will probably, it might change it a little bit, yeah. You think it would get worse the higher I went? Uh, if, like if I was right in a pocket at 25 feet and I went up to 36 or 40 feet, do you think it would get knocked way out? No, I don't think it, it might get better. 
it could get, get worse, but I'm once. Yeah. But it should get better. I mean, basically, from what you just described, yeah, it's the original Carolina Wyndham, yeah. which was the it's basically an off-center fed dipole with a wire that comes straight down, and then you you're you're feeding it like an N-fed antenna. So it's a yeah. kind of a combination of an N-fed antenna and a and an OCF all in one. Except the coax yeah. is on the ground and it's not up at mm-hmm. the centerpiece. That's what got me about no. the, uh, yeah, so it just worked, and you know? It just worked. It, yeah, I'm like, run wow, with this it. is cool. It's just what I'm going to start out with. I'm like, cool. I might try to put it up a little higher and then report those numbers back Yeah. because I think I can get it up there. I've got an MFJ mass that goes higher than 25 feet, but I feel comfortable working at 25 feet because if I'm out in my truck, that's the mass I take. My antennas are tuned and cut for that that height. But anyway, I made it. You know, 66 feet of wire and 35 feet of wire drops down. They're all soldered together in the center. And I think the trick nice. is probably in that 49 to 1 ballon that makes I it sing. I don't even know how you make a 49 to 1. So uh, maybe someone can oh, make there, a video or you can make a video uh, for that. Oh, there's uh, directions out there. You just okay. need uh, toroids, some wires, and uh, and some capacitors. Uh, it's 100 picofarad capacitors I think you need to couple of them or but yeah there's a lot of uh youtube or you know just google search uh yeah that's how i use the youtube stuff is just Mm -hmm. when i'm building something i need to know so those are the videos that i I definitely go to uh tune-ups coming up this coming weekend thursday evening at seven o'clock central time you can begin and run all the way till sunday now that next weekend is father's day weekend so we're no, it's not. It's not. It's the weekend after. No, no, it's the following weekend. The weekend after. That's yeah. right. So we will have our net on Sunday, one minute before our net starts. We pack it in. You guys will go to the website, click on the events tab, and submit your name and total. If you get more than twenty-five contacts, you are qualify for not just the grand prize, but all those prizes. I mean, we've got great stuff. We've got the ICOM seven hundred five as the grand prize, but also. LDG with analog meters, you know, 50 feet of coax. We now have upgraded our PowerFilm solar panel from 20 watts to a 30-watt panel. All of this stuff is listed at the website, but uh, that's how we'll kick it off on Thursday. It's already here, Steve. I can't even believe this. I know. It's Who could believe it's wow, happening this time fast? time has flew by. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. It's unreal. And I think everybody's so excited to get outside and just be outside mm-hmm. and have the air hitting our face uh, to, to be able to take the mask off and and uh, have a good time. And with people again, I hope it's getting better. It's getting better. Amy says it depends on the situation. I don't think any wiser words have been spoken in this thread. It really does depend on where you're going to be, for what antenna mm-hmm. is going to work for you, how much space you have. Uh, having said that, you know, she talks about activating. She does a lot of stuff in the parks. Um, so you can see there, she uh, link dipole, N-fed, a half mm-hmm. wave. That sounds good to me. I'm a link dipole guy, and I try to find enough space to get a 20 and a 40 meter link dipole out there and up. You and I, Steve, are different than other folks, clearly, uh, on <laughs> many, many levels. But uh, you and oh, I... we can go down that. Yeah, I don't know if that, we have time for that. That's called therapy. <laughs> therapy sessions we need a lot of that why am i so different Hmm. Uh, that's kind of what i say but uh, you know you and i would drive portable to us is somewhere that you would drive in your truck get maybe to Mm -hmm. a park 
set up at your own leisure type of things. Um, I've yet to activate a summit, which does seem cool. And again, packing the right bag. How much do I need to take with me? How much can I carry? What do I need up there? Uh, Parks on the Air, I just love the idea of it. I've done uh, activating and uh, would do more of that. But I would be more inclined, and I think uh, you can speak to, to your situation. We're kind of guys that would drive into the gig, set up, break it down, exactly. have a beer, and not drive off a uh, camp and spend the night. I don't want to put the wrong type of messages out there. But, you know, be adults out there, have fun in the park, and roll on out. You know, so mm-hmm. I may not be as camping as deep is the point. Oh, I was uh, I was just thinking about it yesterday. As, as I was telling you earlier, I was going up to a, uh, find a new radio site for one of our engineers to, to scope out for some new microwave shots. And uh, they, they, the site's up about 6,600 feet. And I got up above the 6,000-foot level, and still there's too much snow. But in the process, <laughs> when I was getting close to the... Uh, to the ridge where the uh, radio site was at, uh, I was already looking at spots. I was like, oh, this would be a good place to set up for field day, portable ops, go uh, camping. It's about 25 miles in and, uh, you know, set up some tents here. And uh, there was plenty of trees around to string up wires. So, yeah, no, I'm always thinking about it when I'm out in the backcountry and uh, looking for it. So, yeah, that'd be the way to go. Now, we know Edwin. Edwin is... Uh in our Amsterdam office there. He is, uh, he's one of our moderators as well. He's one of those serious get out there and activate flora, mm-hmm. fauna, parks on the air, those sorts of programs. He's out there doing that. And that may be because, and I know he's in the chat now, it may be because of restrictions where he lives in paradise there with the red light district, I think they call it. I don't know what they <laughs> do there, but it sounds lovely. And, uh, you know, he's talking about what he uses there. And again, it's, it's what you're, you know what what works for you where are you going uh more of that conversation here's david he's sort of like us if i can't get there by vehicle i don't go but uh, mm-hmm. then i asked a follow-up question about okay so what are your antennas on your mobile so he sets up some a variety of beam antennas there uh ben says he parks the truck let's see park the truck and uh antennas up he uses ham sticks uh three magnet mag mount my car is, uh, or the truck is more aluminum, so it doesn't really stick. Those older cars, and I think the metal, boom, boy, it would lock you in good. But uh, I, I mm-hmm. have challenges with that. 53 feet and fed up in the highest tree, uh, usually, and that's a, that's a cool picture there. He's out there, a tent next to what looks to nice be a setup. Jeep. Yeah, that's a cool setup there. Yeah, there you go. Makes Sit it. there even as looks like a... Uh a uh, screwdriver antenna right there on the yeah. uh, on it's the front. Yeah, got a Tar Heel. Got a uh, Tar Heel. Yep. Can't tell if it's the uh, what version of the Tar Heel. Maybe uh, for you know for forty, uh, some for eighty, a little bit bigger. They've even got one for one sixty. You see that on the tail uh, tailgate mm-hmm. most times. Here's Stewart. Oops, did I make the make it too big? And Fed, and Fed Half Wave likes that. We've talked about those antenna trends. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are using and Fed antennas right now, and that's all right. That's all right by me. The buddy pole, dipole configuration, you can do that with ham sticks too. You can get a couple of ham sticks and MFJ makes a little coupler that you can mount on a mast and uh, put together uh, two ham sticks into a dipole configuration. I mean, the ham sticks, 20 bucks each, and you get two for 40, two for 20, you know, or whatever. 
you know, another portable antenna, you know, we always talk about NFEDs or this or that. And if you have a mast is think of a maple um, antenna. And it's uh, basically, it's just uh, how many bands of uh, inverted Vs you build. But everything is fed mm -hmm. by one feed line. And uh, you can have, say, uh, 40 meters and 20 meters uh, maypole antennas. And now you have four lines down. A, they act like a guy, uh, guy ropes or guy support uh, for the top of your mast and, then, and the antenna at the same time. And you get three bands right out of just those four wires. So you'll have 40, 15, because it's a res it's an uh, harmonic. Uh, odd harmonic from uh, 40 meters and then 20 meters. And, uh, or you can uh, throw out uh, even one for 10 and just have, uh, uh, you know, 10 meters or, or 17 or how many you want to, you know, do. That's another option out there. Uh, but I like the end feds because that's just, you know, it's one wire, boom, you're done, you're, and you go and you have your tuner off-center feds or whatever and the, i like the buddy poles because those are uh antennas because you can throw it into a backpack if you're hiking in you know i kind of like the idea of driving in and bringing everything and uh and then you have you know you have everything there plus you have shelter as you know going back to don's uh, segment mm -hmm. you know having your vehicle there you have shelter and uh so if something does go sideways you you can go from there, you know, at least you have some, you know, some cover to, you know, to take care of it. If your tent gets blown away, if you tent or this or that. So, you know, and it's getting out and getting portable. You're very rarely mm -hmm. going to be in a scenario that's perfect. You know, we can't even really get exactly. the perfect antennas at our homes, you know? And I mean, I think you can get close if you've got a tower, like sidecars got his tower but he would find things in his setup that he would like to improve. Like, you know, you're always kind of seeking that perfect scenario out there in the field. Who knows? You may not have a tree. You may not have mm -hmm. this. You may have to depend on that. I'm a fan of taking antennas that I've tested, and I can put up at 25 feet. And I'll test this scenario today where I can go a little higher than that and see what it does to a good yeah. antenna at 25 feet. What happens when I go up? You know, I, I doubt I'd go another 25 feet, but maybe maybe to 36 feet, something like that. You mm -hmm. know, I don't know where the cutoff point, and I think I asked you that this week. You know, will it make a difference? I think I was at 27 feet or 25 feet. Like, you know, what what's going to make a big difference in the, my step up in that mast? I just don't know that yet, so I'm, I'm going to do some more tests, I guess, to maybe 36, maybe 36 feet. I don't know why that sounds that'll, good. That'll be a half. That'll be a half wavelength at uh, twenty meters and a quarter wavelength for uh, forty. Okay. So it'll, it'll it'll be interesting. You'll see some differences, okay. changes from twenty five to those. I'll report it, back because I like minor. that antenna. Yeah. All right. Let's see. what We have here twenty forty trap dipole. I never understood traps. My first uh, Elmer gave me a trapped antenna for forty mm -hmm. and for eighty. It think of it as a linked antenna. The trap, what it does is just stop the, so if on 20 meters, it's basically at, at the end of the 20 meter wavelength, that trap provides a, a high impedance. It's almost like a, it's just blocking the RF signal from traveling down farther down the wire. And so in, in a sense, in a sense, it's an electronic, uh, switch there for you. Mm -hmm. It just traps the 20 meter uh signal and then for 40 meters it just looks like a low impedance and it just uh 
the the RF just goes right past it, and uh, it, it it sees it as like additional wire. It, that's the simplest form I can explain it yeah. to you. Don says he likes and fed 123 feet, gives him mm-hmm. 160 meters. <clears throat> Thinking about 160 on a on a random type of and fed wire is kind of nutty to me, but. If you got the space, if you can do it, man, I'd like to see it happen. Uh, Randy, <laughs> he packs this five-gallon bucket uh, for many says, uses. <laughs> yeah, he says. Uh, yeah, he does a lot in there. I mean, I know you could poop in a bucket if you needed to, and maybe he could. He'd Just have to dump to it bring out. Bring a bag. Yeah, bring a bag. Just bring put a, a bag. bag in your bucket. <laughs> he said that we giggled and snickered. I said, No, I wouldn't. I, I think he'd. Uh, you know, it's innovative. He can sit on that seat. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's crafty. I had to we, tell him that I would never, at never work, tease we, like that. At work, we've um, made a bunch of because uh, remote uh, emergency kits because we got a lot of guys that uh, don't think about being out in the backcountry and having survival equipment, uh, even because you know our trucks we break down or something happens and we're we're stuck at a site and. Uh, some of our high altitude sites, we have a footlocker that's full of uh, food, water, toiletries, blankets, um, something to heat water with, you know, an electric uh, stove, you know, the heating element to, and things like that. Well, we go to other sites that don't have that. Uh, so we put together some uh, five gallon buckets and uh, you throw water in there mountain house uh food the only problem is there's no way to heat up water and uh but i in my work truck i have a uh, a big uh, backpack that i uh, carry my you know some survival gear my my jet boil water well i always have water in the truck but the pack i have something there uh, space blankets things uh, like that and uh, so the five gallon bucket uh, <laughs> yeah we snicker about it but man that's a great idea it's um it uh, becomes uh very useful to put antennas in coax mm-hmm. all your all your things it's uh, i like to have the uh, the padded seat so now when you set up your operation you got something to sit on i mean it's very useful plastic bag can take care of a few other you know yeah right that's easy to store other too. issues and, and yeah and it's stackable. So good one there, uh, Randy. Yeah. So, you know, lots of different options out there, things that work for people when they're operating mm-hmm. portable. There's Ed. He's got a uh, homebrew buddy stick for the uh, for the upper HF bands. Uh, Jeff says he's got that 1788 mag loop antenna, uh-huh. 40 through 15. I think that's like the solid. That's not the one with the coax. That's a solid, I think. Um, mag loop. I, I'm not sure. I'd have to check that. Uh, another homebrew, the Black Widow Three Band. I think that's the one. Now nah, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think you can. You, uh, I've read about that antenna. Parts. I've read about that antenna from a, a person at club. Three band. Okay, cool. Mosquito repellent. Oh yeah, we're getting to that time of year. Definitely. So definitely. Yeah, we've got weird bugs flying around here at the moment. Uh, but none, uh, we've got a couple mosquitoes and some mosquito eaters, but not a ton of mosquitoes right now. Knock wood. A super antenna. A Patty uses that. Jeff, a chameleon. The, uh, MPAS 2.0 antenna there for POTA activations. 
And I think, uh, like Lisa said, it's it's one of those things where it depends on your situation, your scenario. Mm -hmm. I'll be traveling. I'll be in Manhattan. Of course, I'm not going to be putting up an antenna. I don't even know if I'll get a chance to put up an antenna unless I go off to one of the boroughs and find a park and maybe. Who knows? But, uh, you know, later on, if I'm uh, visiting mom in Delaware with the little space and parks or the beach, it's a whole different scenario. So it's just an exercise in what what you can do, what you may be using, and what you found to work for you in that uh, little exercise. So thank you for that. And uh, you're welcome to put down in the comments below what you what you use, what you found that works for you when you're out there. All right. I think now it'd be a good time for us to answer some questions. You ready for this? Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's, let's do some <laughs> this one here. Uh, this one comes in, and uh, this is right up your alley here. Let's see. Uh, what height should I start guying a mast? And I guess you could do the same for a tower too. I mean, if you're you're talking about when or what height uh, do you start to put them in? Well, for the tower, it depends on. I would go with what the manufacturer recommends. So, and then it also for towers. It, well, and we'll just use. We'll just start off with Rhone. You know, Rhone twenty five, Rhone forty five, Rhone fifty five. They have different. Uh, levels of where the manufacturer tells you to you know to guy it based on the overall height of uh, of your antenna so we'll use one of my towers which is at 80 it's an 80 foot tower so it's guide at three levels the first level is guide at 25 feet second level is guide at uh, 50 feet and the third level is guide at uh, 75 feet and that just varies from the height. And now for the the equivalent of a Rhone 45, instead of using three levels of guying, it only needs two because it's just the design of the of the antenna. When it comes to masts, um, I would start to look at um, what, is it a metal mast that you're using, steel, aluminum, or is it a fiberglass one? And uh, and where the flex is so if it's fiberglass i would go pretty much every 10 feet uh you might go up maybe the the 20 foot level i mean i know 20 foot push-ups pretty much you you can get away with uh maybe guying it at the at the at the top or near the top and it all depends on what kind of load you're going to have so also factor in if is is this going to have a load that's going to be equal distance it's not going to be the, the end support of a uh, of a long wire or a dipole antenna or is it just going to be supporting like an inverted v you're all, so th- that's going to be the other issue and, and you're going to kind of have to think about it but uh if it's permanently installed at your house i would uh and let's say it's a a 30 foot push-up mast i would definitely guide at the at the top and at the 20 foot level, I would probably give it a, a shake to see if it re- if there's a lot of movement at the 10 foot level. Uh, you could probably compromise, come down to the um, to a 15 foot level, but you'd have to you know attach the uh, the guy ring there. But uh, at, at the most, thir- 10, 20, 30 foot levels on a 30 foot mast, uh, 50 foot mast, you know, same thing. But you're gonna have to kind of use your best judgment on that first level and i'm pretty low to the ground when i'm out portable so i i will be at 25 feet and the ends of the antenna usually an inverted maybe a link dipole 
Mm-hmm. So they almost end, they, they're almost like a, a guying system in of a themselves. Guy. Because they're not super high. But then I'll have one probably at the 15-foot level for sure, at mm-hmm. least one to keep it from going back or forth. And if nothing else, it's not going to hit your vehicle if that's the way you're doing it. Yeah, it's it depends on the application. And if it's portable, then you're going to probably go less. If it's, you know, something you're going to set up at your house and is going to be there for, you know, the long haul, then I would probably go a little more than what you would do portable because you just don't want it to come down and guy, guy wire or ropes or, you know, is relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, there you go. Next. Would you ever consider changing your call sign? Boy, these yeah, things become <laughs> so personal to us, I guess. You know, I don't know. Then I'd have to do something with this thing. What am I going to do with that? Yep. So... I don't know. I guess I did change when it was initially uh, given mm-hmm. to me. I used to be KD0STH. And then within the first, I don't know, probably six months, I dropped the delta from it and just went with the K0. What did you do? You, you I know you had a, a terrible screw up in the beginning and, and that yeah, kind of Yeah, and deal. then uh, so I changed call districts. And uh, so I... Um, you know, I started with WA6TIC, ended up with WB6UDI, and then when I moved to the 7th call district, then I changed it to W7UDI. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, at one point uh, put in on the uh, 1x2, which I, I went for W7DI and uh, wasn't successful in that lottery. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I've thought of it and kind of acted on it a little bit, but uh, for the most part, I'm you know, everyone, we all know each other by our call signs. Our call signs are, are very personal to us. Uh, I like it when people change their call signs to their, um, their initials or something that has, you know, mm-hmm. some meaning to it. A coworker of mine just changed his uh, recently. And uh, so it, it's, um, but uh, yes, to back to the question yes i have considered it and uh, will i do that again probably not i'll just stay with what i have let's move over to the 100 watts and wire it department where paul has a a comment okay yeah. um i you know earlier on because i i first got licensed in uh, 77 and uh I, it was after they did the like the wn thing uh and I thought about it earlier on, but, you know, as time went on and, and I just got so used to WD9GCO. And then in, in more recent years, you start to realize that the WD call identifies you as, you know, a guy who's been around for a while. And I kind of like that feeling. Uh, fortunately, I've never moved out of the nine area, so I haven't had to. And I know you don't have to, but it's it's just really weird when you're you're thinking, oh, there's there's a seven i need that and it turns out he's in florida so (laughs) um exactly but i uh you know i was out of it for a while i mean i I played a little bit locally but i didn't really get back into ham radio for like the last six seven years and that's when i I missed out on somewhere in there where they started issuing call signs domestically that look like dx and I'm hearing somebody that sounds like Rare DX coming in like S9. I'm like, oh, you're in Ohio? <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a new U.S. call? All right. 
So no, oh, yeah. um, I have thought about it a long time ago, but at this point, it, it's like you said. I mean, it's part of my name, and mm -hmm. I really, I really don't feel like changing it. It's our identity. It's uh, what people know yeah. us uh, on the air, and it's, uh, it's you know our name here in the hobby. And uh, I am with you on the uh, the guys. Uh, so I'll be you know up here in the uh, Pacific Northwest, so I'm kind of in the upper left hand corner of the uh, uh, 48 states. And I hear a uh, you know a one call or a two call. Uh, and I happen to have the antenna point and say down towards Florida. I'm swinging the antenna up towards uh, towards the northeast, and it's like their signal's getting weak. And then I find out, oh yeah, they're down in Tucson or something like that. <laughs> it's like, oh man. <laughs> so uh, that, that's the the one of the disadvantage of you know we can spread our call around, but I don't blame the person just because they move from the northeast down to the to the southwest why they should change their call sign because they've had that call for you know 20 30 years and um so yeah it's it's one of those where it gets a little uh, <laughs> a little troublesome so it's just like okay park the antenna look them up find out where they're at then swing and then to swing so but it's, okay, it makes it for a challenge okay let's see here's one when will you announce the tune-up winner so let's talk about that Let's talk about that real quick. That's uh, not a, a technical question, but it is a consideration now. The tune-up mm -hmm. will start on Thursday, um, and we'll go all weekend long until just one minute before the 100 watts and wire Sunday evening net um, on the weekend. So what you're going to do, and we can talk about some of these prizes before we head out. You know, there's an ICOM 705 LDG. Let me make this larger for you guys so you can see that a little bit better. You can see the list of grand prizes, so we want you to participate here. Steve's going to be a um, bonus station. I'll be a bonus station. KB9VBR, uh, he just said, I'll be. I'll just do it. I didn't even ask. So uh, I was like, okay, but he's out there in the parks. You know, he's doing his thing. He likes to get out and camp, so I'm like, fine, that, that sounds fun. So uh, when you work those stations, and maybe we'll add a couple more, you'll get five points. And you may be saying, see, child, what's this point system all about? Well, when you've got hundreds of dollars worth of um, value in the prizes, it only makes sense that people who are really playing along that get 25 contacts, uh, you know, qualify. So you have to qualify to win the prize. The uh, 705 is like 1400 bucks. That's good. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a pretty good prize there. Probably the best one, you know, uh, right now it's the hot, the hot, hot radio. You know, so there you go. So we got that. We got LDG on board. MFJ is going to do the big stick antenna, BioNO power with the charger. Elecraft for the first time is around giving a um, an antenna that you could take out in the field. And we've got some magazine stuff, nuts and volts. NI4L makes some good strong antennas there with his G5RV. Mm. ABR Industries with the coax, and uh, Steve and I both like the fact that they put your name and your call sign mm -hmm. on there. That's just cool when you go to field day, and you're like, yeah, that's mine. Player right there says my name right on it. Exactly. You can keep your old crappy coax. Mine's special. And Powerfilm Solar. Got... They upgraded uh, from a 20-watt to a 30-watt, which is good. Nice. And uh, Michael Very gave nice. a two-meter, one of his two-meter J-poles there. 
So that's that. The question, getting back to the question of when, you were going to say, I got something. Would you, would you say, I got something? You, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. Sidecar. <laughs> sidecar. He's just uh, groaning along. Nah. That's okay. It's all good. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be traveling. So I'm going to be in New York the weekend after. What we normally do is mm-hmm. we'll finish the event. And I give a week for people to submit their totals. Probably I don't need to give a week long in between. But what I like to do is announce the next Saturday who wins on the show. Well, that Saturday I'll be traveling. Um, So I'll be uh, in New York City. And it's deeply unlikely that on the 19th that this show is going to happen on schedule like we normally do um, 10 o'clock Central Time. However, we may figure out something different in terms of a different time slot. I got to get in there and get unpacked and all that sort of stuff. So it's either going to be announced, say, like the Wednesday or something midweek, or just hold it for a special spot uh, when Steve and I have had some beverages and just uh, are chilling and just roll out the winners at that time. I tend to want to let people get those results in. You know, then they can be collected. It's going to be rough. So it'll probably be that weekend after. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh-oh, fire call. Stand by. Is that you? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's me. You're like, let it's it burn. Okay. It's good. I'm on TV right now. <laughs> if my pager goes off, then it's a different story. So, so I didn't put... That's just the phone. I didn't put that information of when. And someone asked. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's what we'll do. We're going to wait and see. It'll be that weekend after give you the days to put in your your contacts your information i'll let the kids do the random drawing thing where we match up the different prizes to the people who entered bada bing bada boom bada boom uh you will win so there you go anything else that we need to add steve i i uh yeah i want to go back to what uh, you and don were talking about and something that i think uh you know you brought up we're we're all getting kind of older and and this and that and and we and so let's see if i can let me do this i want to bring up a so what i need to do is share and we'll try that and see if i can a window oh no it's not going to be all right well we won't uh, do that well here what i was thinking and um is when in clubs you should probably um, encourage this and maybe come up with a form that will have its emergency information, but it will it will have you know the name, your address, and everything, um, your your medical insurance policy number, group number, emergency contacts, and list of allergies and medications that you're that you have on and. And before everybody starts vapor locking here, you keep it to yourself. This is a form that the club can come up with and that you fill out as a participant. And then you fold it up and stick it in your pockets, either be in your left rear pocket or, or be a left breast pocket or someplace that is physically on you. So that if something did happen and, um, uh, and medics have to get called. You know, one of the things medics are going to want is like, do you have any allergies for medication? Do, what medications are you on? Because that will determine a lot. If and, the, and their treatment of you is uh, their their course of action on how to how to go from there. So having that information on your body, just like you know, uh, Joe 
Pastor Joe has, is using the road ID and that that's all available. It's something that, you know, you, you could have it in your phone and things like that. But I personally, you know, it's your phone could be left in the car or something or, or the battery could have died on your phone. And then then it's useless. Having a piece of paper that's physically on you is uh, and having that information, then uh, it would help you if something were to happen, but, uh, I understand, you know, HIPAA issues and you don't want to share, you know, you don't want to tell your buddies, oh, you know, I'm on this heart medication or this or that that's between you and your doctor. And, but, um, at least having that. So that's something to think about. And I, I think clubs should probably encourage that a little bit more to uh, have something where, you know, information that you carry on your body that, um, when you're participating because we're starting to get in, you know, field day with the, the heat starting to kick in. Mm -hmm. We're kind of going, uh, we're not acclimated to, uh, to the heat. We just had this little short heat wave here in the, you know, where I live and we were getting into the nineties and it was like, Holy smokes, this is kicking my butt because, uh, I'm not used to the nineties just quite yet. We kind of work, you know, we went from sixties, a little bit of seventies, then bam, you know, 80 upper eighties and nineties for a couple of days. And then now we're back down to, you know, normal, you know, upper sixties, low 70 temperatures. So it's, uh, we're kind of in that transition, uh, timeframe when field day happens. So it's, uh, I wanted to kind of share that. That's great so because you're it. first responder for sure. And you know, mm -hmm. when you're in kind of, uh, a stressful situation or your body is in a stressful situation or giving out or even dehydrated or whatever, you're not really capable all the time to answer these questions exactly. clearly, you and, know, and this would help. And, you know, the chances are you most likely you're going to end up being dehydrated because, hey, we're drinking coffee and all this. Oh, yeah, but I'm drinking coffee. Well, drink coffee is a diuretic, so it's mm -hmm. uh, you're not really getting hydrated by it. So, you know, something to think about. I mean, if you – I would encourage clubs to do things like that, and uh, I don't know why we didn't think about it sooner. But uh, but as you pointed out, when you you know we are getting older, and when you made that comment, it was like holy smokes, yeah, we need to do that and uh, go from there. So if you're participating in uh, in field day activities or going out even portable uh, and activating you know parks on the air or summits on the air you know, put that information into a pocket and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it just, and let whoever you're with know that the, my medical information and contact information is in my left rear pocket and, uh, away you go. So that's the thing about. is that you, you're wanting to cut down on time. That's the thing. It's time. Anytime any, any responder is trying to help you or whatever, figure out what you need, what you're allergic to. It's just time ticking away, that window of opportunity through CPR that we learn about. Uh, so mm -hmm. if you can save a step and save yourself some time, you just may save yourself. But I, exactly. I know it's a, we, we don't always think like that in terms of, oh, what I should pack and I'll be fine, I'll be back, and mm -hmm. just call my wife. But that, that window of time between getting you help and what you need and trying to figure those things out I like it. I think I'll work on that today. Maybe we'll we'll go back and uh, get some of that information and, and post it back up because it, it's valuable stuff. Yeah, put it into Hour 73 and, uh, and talk about it. That's what we'll do. Okay. Anything else? Looking at the folks in the chat, you know you guys are the ones that we do this for. And uh, I think um, 
the other the other folks who promoted uh, the tune up Amateur Radio Newsline, Ham Talk Live, uh, KB9 VBR, who uh, at least mentioned it for us. It'll take the community of the people to actually uh, propagate these things out, you know, and and depend on us to get that message out. I hope you have a good time. I plan on mm-hmm. uh, streaming tomorrow because it'll be net night, and then hopefully sometime in the middle of the week. You know, it could be a, a good streaming opportunity to work outside. Just got to get some things sorted out. Make sure I got a good, strong enough signal or a hot spot to uh, to stream out there from the old shed. But if I can show that antenna off and make some contacts, it's usually a really fun uh, time for sure. I would say lay out a uh, run of Ethernet cable. If it's under 100 meters, you can go that. But but and t- this is something that we talked mm-hmm. about RFI and uh, – before, when I first built my shop out here, and I was built, I built the uh, the shed out here. I had about a just uh, about a three hundred foot run of uh, Ethernet cable that uh, was eventually, which it ended up in a a conduit to to run from the house out here to the shop. I laid it out on the ground, and um, I kept seeing the signals on 20 meters, but when I turned the beam to the west, which where the house is to the west of the of the shop here, these signals would this interference, this RFI issue, would crop up, and it's like, what is it? And it was always a steady, you know, at uh, signals. It was just spikes I'd see on the uh, on the pan adapter, and once I got the uh, cable into the conduit, once I finished the conduit run all that went away and then it was like ding there mm. it is i it was i was creating you know rfi issues like paul and his uh blow up doll there and uh, oh oops, <laughs> <laughs> and uh wow paul's not even and, around anymore to refute that that's pretty cold that's cold oh, sidecar and uh so it uh you know hey it's you know it happens and then uh and I did another one myself was I got a inexpensive battery tender from Harbor Freight. And whatever you do, don't get one of those $20 battery tenders because they will tear your HF up. And oh. I found that out the hard way, too. So it uh, there's a lot of uh, cheap electronics that are out there that uh, it's great on the wallet, but mm-hmm. uh, it ends up uh, hurting us here in the hobby. So uh, it uh, it makes it tough. All right, well, that's great. That's great information, and we'll end with uh, the thought of Paul and his blow-up blow doll. doll. <laughs> wow, well, there's no wonder. There's no wonder. <laughs> Betty White. There's a Betty White. Why he's Lucille Ball. <laughs> Betty Lucille White. Ball. Ginger and Marianne. Uh, yeah, just uh-huh. get all our favorites in there. All right, we'll wrap it up for now. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, just a little bit before 7 o'clock, we'll start the uh, countdown. You're welcome to join us there on the air and in the stream. Hope you enjoyed it. We uh, enjoy having you here, and I hope you have a great weekend working out. I'll let you know what happens when we get to uh, elevating this antenna that I like, this little antenna that I built. Uh, if I understood the balance better, I think I could explain it, but I looked at the uh, the, the meter readings, and it was just, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, don't touch it. Steve would say, don't touch it. Don't, don't screw with success. Don't but screw with success. I also use another metaphor it. to it also. Right. So. And we'll save mm-hmm. that one uh, for next time but yeah we'll see if we can get it up a little bit higher like 36 feet and see what happens there 
dirty yeah, old man. Don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you respond. Don't you do it. All right, 73, brothers and sisters, I appreciate you all, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. 73, friends. 73, everyone. Oh, oh, we'll do it over here. To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsinawire.com.